stories, spirituality, pathways, and aliens. You're here on The Long Road Home. You ready? I'm ready. Your mic's a little crooked. There we go. Now I'm ready. Hello, everybody. Hello. I'm Chad. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to The Long Road Home Minisode. How's it going, everyone? Hope you've had a wonderful uh, couple of days since the last time we talked. Yeah. Hope you're doing well. Uh, th- nothing's changed here. We're just living our best lives. Yeah, that's, I guess, best lives is one way you could put it. What does that mean? I don't know, man. We had like a moment of fun in the sun here in Montana, and then winter came back like all last weekend today, and um, it's just really cold outside. Yeah, the sads are real. And I know we chose to live in Montana, but um, the sads are real. I think it's time for a lamp. Yeah, or a move. (laughs) One or the other. We've been talking about the beach lately. Oh, it'd be nice to go to the beach again. I See all the the, the trashy people just c- baked in the sun, just the color of a potato. When I was in like third grade, I went. I got to go to the beach for a weekend with my friend Morgan, um, and I am of Irish descent, and her family was not, and they didn't wear sunscreen, and her mom turned a different color on that trip. She was like. I'm trying to think of an example. I'm the only thing that can come to mind is the chocolate lady the chocolate from SpongeBob lady. because that's like what she looked like. She looked like dried out leather. Uh huh. Um, and I got so sunburnt because they didn't even own sunscreen. They didn't put sunscreen on my little baby body. Um, oh, that's not great. Yeah, my whole body was sunburnt, and I had to wear like silk pajamas for two weeks straight because I was just like. I couldn't move. If there's anything you should take away from our podcast ever, it's that you should be wearing sunscreen. Wear your sunscreen. Yeah, otherwise you're going to get some melanomas. Yeah. Anywho. I don't need none of that. No. It's Emily's turn this week to it's share it with turn. her. Share it with us some of her wonderful stories that she's come across. So, Emily, what do you have for us this week? Well, I got I got a lot for y'all this week, so let's see how much we can cover. I I had a whole plethora of funky stories to share with you guys today. So, we're going to see how many make it in the episode. Um, But we're going to start out today with something that hits us a little closer to home. It's not necessarily a news story, but it's new to me. Um, The guy who made a UFO landing pad in the desert and vanished. Oh, that's the headline? That's the headline. (laughs) Just so everyone knows, like, we don't plan on doing, like, recent stuff every single time we do a message. I try to find more recent stories. I don't care. Like, if it's something that I didn't know and it was fucking a crazy story, I like to tell other people about it because they might not know. Hey, that's true. And that's, like, what the mini-sode, that's, like, how we got started with the mini-sode. Yeah, it's what it's all about is just cramming as much useless information into your ears as possible. Well, great. Thanks for taking that pressure off, Chad. Because that that opens (laughs) me up to so many other possibilities. Okay, so this comes to us from MysteriousUniverse.org. History is full of odd and eccentric individuals. Countless people have managed to make their mark with their odd behavior, abilities, claims, and achievements, very often scurrying off into the mists of time to leave behind more questions than answers. Mm. Their stories cut short and incomplete. One such strange individual went out into a desert in South America, built a UFO landing pad, and vanished off the face of the earth to take any answers to his bizarreness with him to never be known. Some people just don't care. They don't care how weird they act. Hey, he wasn't here for you. No, he wasn't. He was here for himself. Exactly. That's how everyone should be living. Not much is known about the earlier life of the man named Werner Jassili. 
until one day in 2008 when when he had a life-changing experience. Jacelia traveled from his native Switzerland to the country of Argentina, where he seems to have been living at the time in the town of Forte Alto. On the evening of November 24th, 2008, he was hanging out with his neighbor, Louis, when the power suddenly cut out and the night fell completely silent. Here's what he would say of what happened next. I was there at Forte Alto at midnight on November 24th, 2008. Suddenly, everything was silent and the power was cut off. At that moment, two luminous objects advanced about 200 meters above the Calchaqui River. They were solid, circular, and had the color of burnished metal. They stood about 100 meters above our heads and projected a powerful beam of light. The strange thing is that this extraordinary light did not affect our vision at all. At that moment, something began to boil through my brain. It was an order. Oh, shit. Hit some contact. Yeah, he had some contact. So not direct content, but he says that at this point, or he said that at this point, very clear instructions were given to him telepathically. That's crazy. It was just like all of a sudden, this idea came in his brain. It was just singed in there. He couldn't get the idea out. Yeah, that's like the closest type of contact that I think we've really, I mean, I guess there's like abduction and stuff. Yeah, probably. But um, it's, yeah, I guess. So never mind. Ignore <laughs> ignore what I said. Some men have had things up their butt. No, but it's not the first time. Not a bad thing. It's okay if you I've, like that. It's not the first time I've heard of a message just being beamed to somebody directly. We, I don't think we've talked about it on no, our podcast. No, we did. We did. Uh, did we? Yeah, because that's what happened with Betty and Barney Hill, because Barney wanted to run and they were telling him not to. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Throwback. Yes. Um, so this order was telepathically beamed into his head loudly and clearly, nearly seared into him, and it told him to build a landing and launching pad for their spaceships, directing him to a remote area of desert near Kachi, a village in the Argentinian province of Salta. This telepathic message was so strong and compelling that Werner went about purchasing a plot of land in Salta, where he got to work building the vision he had be- that had been given to him by the aliens. It was to be a massive, sprawling construction he called the Ovniport. And over the next several years, he would tirelessly and obsessively construct a huge 36-point star with a diameter of 160 feet, as well as a smaller 12-point star in the center and others around it. All of it laboriously handmade by himself out of piles of white and brown rocks. It's super cool looking. There's pictures on here that we'll have to we'll have to sh- put in the Discord. We will. Um, it's crazy. It looks like it definitely took a long time. I wonder what he was doing when he wasn't doing this. I don't know. Just he moved there. to Argentina from Switzerland, had this experience. That's and an, that's an got intense to move too. What yeah. Werner? What was his last name? Jacili. Jacili. Yes, definitely. It's something that you wouldn't normally do unless you really thought you had contact with an alien being in your brain. When it was completed in 2012, the Ovniport was an undeniably impressive feat, which could be cl- which could clearly be seen from the air. And before long, it was attracting quite a lot of attention from both locals and visitors alike. When the news got out about this bizarre UFO landing pad out in the desert, it became a minor se- it became a minor sensation, with people flocking in from all over the world to see it. Many of the UFO enthusiasts who came here also reported that there were several UFO sightings made in the area after the construction of the Ovniport making it quite a mysterious place indeed. Then, just as his fame was growing, Wernie... <laughs> Wernie. That's a good one. Wernie's a good nickname That's what I'm for calling him. him from now on. Wernie. Oh, Wernie. Well, he just suddenly vanished without a trace. He didn't tell his neighbor Louise, made no mention of traveling to any of his few friends, just disappeared into thin air. 
Authorities searched for him, but his house remained untouched with all of his belongings still there and no hint as to where he could have possibly gone, which, of course, started rumors that perhaps he had joined his alien friends and been taken aboard their spacecraft. That's definitely the most uh, legitimate answer, I think. <laughs> like, maybe it worked. Really? That would be fucking awesome. If Werner Gisele, with a name like that, you are definitely the first person that it will be contacted and also picked up by aliens. Actually, oh no, did I speak too soon? More likely is that he simply went back to Switzerland or that he was worried about the law and fled. So it turns out in 2011 he had a run-in with police um, and was arrested for stealing wallets from tourists. That's what he was doing when he wasn't building the, the landing he, pad. That's how he was making it. Yeah, that's <laughs> how he was making it work. Um, one person mentioned or claimed that he had mentioned going to Bolivia on the run. None of this can be confirmed, and no one has seen him since. So they think that, you know, one of the theories is that he just was feeling the heat and needed to get out of Dodge, but we don't know. There's well, no trace of him. I guess, he, yeah, he never actually got caught for stealing all those wallets, so who knows where he is. Maybe he was collecting them for the aliens. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. They just want everyone's personal identification uh, because they don't have as much data as Apple does, and they need to know who's here. I don't know. Why did he toil away in the hot sun building this thing? Was this really due to messages from aliens, or was he just a derailed individual with a strange obsession? Why did he suddenly leave, and where did he go? Did he go off with the aliens, or is he sitting around somewhere having a good laugh about it all? We will probably never know. Well, yeah, I don't think we will. And wherever he is, he's got a lot of people's photo IDs. So oh, no. <laughs> if, you, if Werner stole your wallet back then, you should probably have changed IDs by now. I hope maybe you got your social security number re yeah. refixed, changed, if if that's something that you have to deal with. Yep. Because that man is definitely, if you didn't do that, he is using your identity to buy tinfoil hats. So make sure you, you, know, you clear your name. Clear your name. That or keep your eye on the sky because the aliens might be coming for you next. Could be. Okay, well, that okay. was interesting. I did not know about little, it. It's a cool tale. thing. It's a cool thing that he built. Uh, not a super cool story about him as a man, personally, after the wallet stealing thing. He was thing. a character. Yeah, he was just a dude. Uh, probably had a really big beard, I would imagine. Not a lot of shaving going on, maybe. I think there was a picture of him on here as well. Yeah, he's the guy with the beard. Oh, yeah, he's the, he <laughs> does have a beard. So, yeah, he's uh, out there. Wherever he is now, he is just, I'm assuming... He's living his best life. He might be dead. He looks he really old. He a beautiful thing. <laughs> he did. Uh, he, it's really pretty. We'll, we'll put pictures on the Discord. All right, everyone. Buckle up, because this next one is um, a doozy. Michigan home inspector pleasured self with Elmo doll in residence's nursery. Awesome. So good. It makes me feel great about it. If the housing crisis wasn't bad enough. Yeah, it doesn't make me feel great about letting people into my home. So, while unaware that he was being recorded by a nursery camera, a Michigan home inspector pleasured himself with an Elmo doll, according to police. Kevin Wayne Van Leuven, age 59, was arranged was arraigned yesterday on a pair of misdemeanor charges stemming from an unsettling incident last month at a residence in Oxford Township, a Detroit suburb. By the way, this comes from thesmokinggun.com. Uh, bringing you the hottest news. Yes, only from the elite sources. This looks like the, the website you would go to to find your friend's mugshot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> this story was on multiple so, or multiple sites. I don't know why I picked this one. Because it's here, the most reliable, the smoking gun. Yeah. It's literally the smoking gun. Exactly. 
Um, investigators say Van Leuven had been hired by the homeowners to inspect their property prior to a sale. The owners told the police they let Van Leuven and the buyer's real estate agent into the home, then departed the residence during the March 12th inspection. While away from the property, the 22-year-old female homeowner, which, by the way, what the fuck? Who is the 22-year-old homeowner? I think that if you're that young and you own a home, it's not because you live in a place that people want to live in. Not so much like it's a nice area of town, but it's like you live in central Ohio, uh, 40 minutes away from the Walmart. I think if you're 22 and you own a home, somebody helped you purchase that home. Yeah, I think there's no way that you're 22 and you, that 22 year old, bought that home on your own, right? I I mean, I'm (laughs) sure. Here's the deal. I'm sure it's like possible. There's a lot of TikTok influencers out there, though, these days. It's very easy to make money. And there are kids that make more money than I do. It's unboxing Play-Doh now. It's a wild world out there. Who knows what this person did? It's very unfortunate what happened what to happened their home. What happened next is it shouldn't happen to anyone. Uh, she, The 22-year-old uh, homeowner received an alert from her phone. Received an alert on her phone that a webcam had detected movement in the residence's nursery. The woman then accessed the camera feed and saw Van Leuven touching himself. The home inspector then picked up an Elmo doll and appeared to be pleasuring himself with said doll. All right, good. And you know what's weird? This isn't the only uh, Elmo masturbation story I've heard this week. It's not. I don't know what Tickle Me Elmo's got going on, but people are, they like it. He's got, come fuck me eyes. Yeah, he does. I guess so. He's got those big, big doll eyes. Just like, let me have it. Oh my God. Let me have it. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Elmo, but he's, he's something's got to change. Whoever's making Tickle Me Elmos or whatever they're called these days, I don't know. I don't she have kids. Say, like, I don't care. Well, you, have you ever played with a Tickle Me Elmo? Have you ever had seen one? Yeah, they do jiggle. They do jiggle. They kind of vibrate <laughs> a little know. bit. I'm this man saying. looks like he would enjoy a good Elmo jiggle. I though. am disturbed. Um, Van Leuven with the furry Sesame Street character in his hand is pictured above in a webcam still. Um, we will post that picture to the Discord. Will we, though? I don't know if I'm going to. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That might not it's show up. It's just a man walking in a room with a Elmo in his hand. Yeah, he's... It's not... We're not there yet, but <laughs> it's still just very disturbing. After the homeowners called 911, sheriff deputies confronted Van Leuven, who claimed to have only moved the doll to inspect an electrical outlet, mm-hmm. but when cops told him that there was a camera in the nursery, Van Leuven reportedly made incriminating statements and apologized for his actions. He was like... Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> I did fuck I did that Elmo it. doll. Oh, my God. <laughs> Charged with aggravated indecent exposure and malicious destruction of property under $200, Van Leuven. I'm sorry. That's so funny to me because it's because of the, the the value of the destruction of property. Yeah. But that's like because it was. It's not like. That that's just included uh, on his yeah. charge is that it's malicious destruction oh. of property under $200. So this Elmo is covered in cum. Oh, my we, God. We, <laughs> It's totaled. It's, you totaled our elbow. Uh, Van Leuven was booked into the Oakland County Jail where he is being held in lieu of $2,500 bond. Uh, a judge has directed Van Leuven to undergo a mental health evaluation and has prohibited him from being alone in any residential property that he does not own. Additionally, he has been ordered to have no contact with those said homeowners. You know what's crazy? He didn't lose his job. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't lose his job. He didn't. He could think... face up to two years in prison. 
Um, and wow. the, the property Whoa. destruction count carries a maximum penalty of three months. In oh jail. my God! So he could spend up to two years and three months in Amen. jail over this. What are you in for? You know, well, I think I, you need some time. I well, think you need a timeout to well, go and you think. Know, I think that you should have to go and sit in a corner and think about what you just did after yeah. that one. I stuck my fun time stick into an Elmo. Oh, terrible oh, thing God, to have to tell Chad. someone when you're in jail. Well, that guy is not. He's getting, he's, he's on a rough day. Yeah. Rough couple of days. Maybe a couple of years. We'll see what happens to him. Maybe we'll probably never see him again. No, I doubt we'll ever hear anything more from this man. But I hope that he gets the help that he needs. Okay, our last story uh, is going to be a lot more endearing. Great. We need something to cleanse. A little more our, heartwarming. Yeah, swish around our mouth, spit out the bad taste of Elmo. Oh God. Cleanse our palates. Let's stop talking about Elmo. Okay. <laughs> I shouldn't have brought it up. That's my bad. I disturbed myself with that one. <laughs> so this story comes to us from CBC. This man is looking for the friends who shipped him overseas in a crate in 1965. Holy shit. He was in a crate? So this is a really cool story. Um, and I hope that maybe even we can spread a little more awareness about it. Get the message out. Brian Robson is looking for the two Irishmen who helped stuff him into a wooden crate in 1965 and ship him home to the UK in the mail. So Robson was 19 and working in Australia when he and two buddies hatched and executed the unconventional plan. This is a direct quote from Brian Robson. The problem is, at the time, we made an agreement that it would be a secret because none of us expected any publicity. I mean, the idea was I would get to London and I would get out of the crate and disappear, go home, and nobody would be the wiser. Unfortunately, the whole thing went wrong. Five decades later, Robson has written a book about the ill-conceived misadventure called The Crate Escape. Oh, man, he saw the opportunity and he took it. He took it. I'm so happy about it. That's great. So what what happened? So in 1964, Robson traveled from Cardiff, Wales to Melbourne, Australia on an assistant immigration program to work for Victorian Railways. He quickly regretted the decision and became desperately homesick. So he got there and was like, oh, why did I do this? I I don't want to be here. But simply quitting his job and flying home wasn't an option. He had a contract with the Australian government to stay and work for two years. And if he broke that contract, he would have to pay back the money the country spent to get him there. Oh, shit. Including his travel expenses, the whole thing would have cost about $700. And his monthly wage was 40 So Robson and his two closest work buddies devised the scheme to mail him home. Robson believes their names were Paul and John, but after all these years, he can't remember their last names. Oh, man. It doesn't sound like he he remembers their first names either. (laughs) He believes their names were Paul and John, which is very sad. And uh, this is, you know, when when you have people that put you in a crate and ship you off into the world, that's a friendship that lasts a lifetime. It's true. The trio bought a wooden crate that Robson barely fit inside with his knees folded up to his chest. They then nailed him in with a bottle of water, a flashlight, an empty bottle, for obvious reasons, a small suitcase, a pillow, and a hammer to break out. Okay, so they bought this tiny crate. Why didn't they just buy a bigger crate? (laughs) Was it that expensive? Were crates that expensive? I don't know. I don't know. So here's the deal. It was only supposed to last, the whole thing was only supposed to last for approximately 36 hours. They covered the crate with uh, labels that read fragile, handle with care, and this side up. And it was scheduled to fly from Melbourne to London within 36 hours. But Robson instead ended up being inside the crate for five days. 
Yikes. Yeah. That's a lot different. Yeah. That's a lot so, different of a ride for him. The story takes the turn. Uh, he says, it was terrifying. I was passing in and out of consciousness. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a lack of oxygen. Oh, it was bad. That's terrible. Um, there seemed to be an endless number of stopovers, and the airport crews didn't pay much attention to the crate's labels. At one point, Robin says that he was left upside Excuse me. At one point, Robson says he was left upside down on a tarmac, literally sitting on his head for 24 hours because there wasn't enough room in the crate to turn around. Oh, that sounds so honestly, it's probably pretty scary. At that Absolutely point. terrifying. And you realize like no one's coming for you and you are just you're all the bloods in your head. Uh, can't you die from that? I think so. It's You can die from asphyxiation in that way. Oh. Um, but also, yeah, they probably could have and definitely should have bought a bigger crate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he considered breaking free and abandoning the whole scheme. Quote, I played with the idea for a few seconds and convinced myself, look, you've done all this. You cannot embarrass yourself now. You're going ahead with it. And that's it. God, what a quintessential man of the six. You can't embarrass yourself now. Just be a man. I don't think there's any blood left in my heart. It's all pulled around my brain, but, uh, be a man. You got. You can't tell anyone what's no, happening to you right now. it's too embarrassing. Just keep your mouth shut. This will be over before you know it. Just die silently. Yeah, just die silently. <laughs> That's it. By the time it became unbearable, it was too late to change plans. I would say the last five or six hours of flying, I was convinced that that was the end. I thought I was going to die, he said. I was trapped in the hold of an aircraft with no air, pitch blackness. Of course, I couldn't move a muscle, couldn't get out of the crate even if I wanted to. At one point, Robson managed to turn on his flashlight. He was in another airport when a worker finally noticed and peered into the hole in the side of the crate. <laughs> Can you imagine? Some fucking... That'd be scary to be the person yeah. that found him. That Yeah, it would be. That would be very Just freaky. To see like a flash of light coming from a like a crack in a box. Yep. Um, quote, he looked straight into my eye. That's what Robson <laughs> says. And then he says... Well, if there was an Olympic Games going on at the time, he'd have won for a backflip. I've never seen anybody backflip so far. That's great. Well, good for him. He got, you know, at the end, he had, had a last laugh, it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds little, like it. A little blood curd, just like barely coherent, just like, oh. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Got him. <laughs> um, Robson was so exhausted and dehydrated that he couldn't speak or move. He heard a commotion outside as people shouted about a dead body in a crate. Jeez. Within a very short time, there were maybe 20 or 40 people around, including FBI, CIA, oh, everybody, said Brian. <laughs> um, this is so, that's this because is like... he wasn't in London at all. He'd be put on the wrong plane and landed in L.A. Oh, my God. This is uh, this story is equal parts frightening and also like kind of like Monty Python-esque. Totally. I don't know what to think of it. It's a crazy story, though. This dude had this uh, unique experience that not a lot of people get these days. Definitely not. Um, after UF- U.S. officials determined that he was neither dead nor a threat, he was free to go home. Pain American Airlines flew him first class, he said. The Americans, the FBI, and the CIA, and everything else, they were brilliant. I mean, I fell in love with America because I've never been treated so well, he said. Everybody there really looked after me, and they just thought, oh, it's this silly kid getting himself into trouble. His bizarre journey generated media buzz at the time, but Robson never mentioned his two partners in crime for fear that they would get in trouble. Hell yeah. The three young men had no idea whether their antics were against the law, he said. 
Now with his book coming out next month, he's hoping that he can reconnect with them. He said, we were very good friends, only for about three months because I only knew them for about three months. And we used to meet each other every evening and chat about old times and how we all wanted to get out of Australia and, you know, chat about girlfriends and everything. I'd love to find them again. Well, I hope he does. I'm glad that they, you know, they gave him all the necessities, a, a bottle and they, a pillow. I wonder where the pillow ended up. I don't think it was behind his head, judging from the sound no, of No, I don't think so. <laughs> That's awful. Because uh, there's nothing worse than an uncomfortable pillow in, you know, the wrong place. Yeah, it can that's, be very that's annoying. the issue he should take away from this story. Yeah. No, if there's anything we should take away from it, it's that uh, the male does not care about your package. No, no one cares. They will crush it. They'll put it on the wrong plane. Flip it upside down. They don't care. Fragile means nothing to them. So, <laughs> you know, whatever you wrap or put in a box, make sure it's covered in styrofoam. Yeah. Or packing peanuts. Just handle with care. But if you or anyone in your family knows a Paul or John with a crazy story of the time they put their friend in a box. Yeah. Um, that that friend is looking for them. So I don't know. I guess reach out to us and we'll help yeah, you find we'll, them. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Well, we could, we'll sounds like out. something we could take care we of. We could totally take care of it. Yeah, well. We got it. All right. But that's it. Those are my stories for the week. Wonderful. They had rises and falls and All humor sorts and despair. Of stuff. Yeah, well, it's been a crazy mini-sode this week. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> you're welcome. All right, guys. While you're waiting on this week's regular episode, don't forget you can find us on Discord. The link is on our Instagram and our Twitter, which you can find us there at the underscore LRH underscore pod. The Discord is where we post uh, source links, cool pictures. We're on there. We like to chat and talk. And if you ever have a question, you can hop on and let us know. It's totally free, guys. So please join. We're trying to grow a community there, and we'd love to see you. You can also find us at Facebook at Facebook.com slash the LRH pod. And you can reach us via email at the LRH show at gmail.com. Yeah, I really hope the uh, people that were supposed to get the crate message were able to make it through the Elmo story before. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they heard it. That's all I've said. I know. If the crate did, was please to reach out to us. But I feel like I probably scared some people off with Elmo. Sorry. Y'all, if you had seen that headline. Man pleasures himself with Elmo in residence home. Would you have skipped it? You gotta look. I had you to. I had, I had bit. to bring it. I had to bring it up. We had to talk about it. It was too wild to pass up. Absolutely. <laughs> Lastly, guys, you can find us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/TheLRHPodcast. We got three tiers on there, and if you join, you get a special acknowledgement in the Discord. We got stickers and merch for our patrons as well, and we actually are making a new logo right now, and it's yeah. going to be ready soon, and our patrons will be getting a new, nice, shiny sticker, and we're working on some merch ideas as well. Hopefully, we'll be able to put those up on a shop somewhere in the coming months. But that's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you later this week on Thursday, and as always, thanks for joining us here on The, the Long, Long Road, Road Home. Home. We'll see you later, everybody. See you later.